bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Tonight, Regina Folk Festival is in the sub-basement, plus innovative revenue tools, city council update, and so much more. This meeting is now in session. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Good. <laughs> um, who are you? Oh, who am I? Well... There's another guy, isn't there, usually, who sits over there? Usually. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to have... He seems to be gone. Yeah. Well, okay, well, maybe what we should do, we can find out who you are by doing attendance. Because that's how every meeting has to start. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Well, let's just see here. Let me grab out this attendance sheet that I have here. So, um, is uh, Paul Desheen here? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Oh. You got my name right. In you're, one. You're Paul Deshane. I am Paul Deshane. Oh, okay. Mark me present. Let's see here. Okay. There you go. All right. And, um, well, Shauna Uchu. I'm assuming that's you. That is me. <laughs> Shauna Uchu from White Pony Lodge? Shauna Uchu from White Pony awesome. Lodge. Awesome. You've been, you've visited the sub-basement before, I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah. I think once or twice before. Yeah? But, yeah. Good. So, well, it's great to have you back. You're an improvement vector, so you, you are an official uh, Queen City Improvement Bureau Bureau voting member. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so I guess I shall declare myself as president with um, Perfect. all of that. Oh, I should note on my uh, attend on my agenda here. There's a sticky note. Okay. Um, and it says, Paul, I was messing about with the time machine, and uh, I seem to have erased myself from existence. So I probably won't be at tonight's meeting. Sorry, yours an improvement, Aiden Moore, and the ink seems to have faded away. And I don't remember what that was about. Oh. But I'm sure it couldn't have been that important. Well, I hope he, he comes um, back from his travel safely anyways. I <laughs> hope so. Yeah. All right. Uh, but next up on the agenda, underneath the sticky note, we have an interview with uh, some other people who are down here in the sub-basement with us. Uh, Hud oh, sorry. Hannah Hudson-Blant and Mel Metcalf from the Regina Folk Festival. Hey, hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming down, guys. Thanks for finding your way down here and uh, talking to us about the Regina Folk Festival. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you guys could make it. Uh, and so, uh, Hannah, you are the... What's your... Sorry, Hannah. You, yeah. <laughs> you are the... Artist Services Assistant. Okay. Yeah. And Mel? I'm the Volunteer and Concert Series Manager. All right. Nice. Cool. Cool. Nice. Well, you know, I guess to kind of kick kick things off i've personally never been to the folk festival so i do have a few questions for you um so the first thing is i guess well my first question is what is the folk festival thing you speak of <laughs> oh yeah um so the folk festival we're a non-profit organization um and our biggest fundraiser is the folk festival itself so that's where we get our namesake mm -hmm. uh the regina folk festival is a three-day music event this year four days Oh, or wow. this year, sorry, four-day music event. Uh, we take place in Victoria Park, and we have free daytime programming as well as a main stage people pay to get into. Um, yeah, but we also throw some concerts and bring artists into schools for some outreach as well year-round. Wow, that sounds amazing. So how long has this been going on now for? So, yeah, the Folk Fest started in 1969 was the first festival. And so it's... Uh, put on every year. Uh, we can't call it annual, though, because we did miss one year in 1994. Oh, wow. Because um, the Folk Fest was in debt, so we weren't <laughs> able to put it on. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, it has been happening since the 60s. So it's, yeah, it's 
been a work in progress and it's it's come a long way wow that sounds amazing so who's in the lineup this year and um that you're re- that you guys are really excited about Oh, um, I'm excited for a lot of people. Um, I'm personally really excited for Lights. I mm. don't actually know much about Lights, nor do I listen to Lights at all. But I hear from other people just around town that it sounds a little twisted, but for as popular as she is, she's actually really talented. That sounds a little messed up, but like for a pop musician, she has some really good, strong lyrics, songwriting skills. I hear she's someone you have to see live wow that sounds amazing cool um i got i got i've got a list here actually of the uh, people who are playing and um i noticed some of them people like dj shub and um tomato tomato or is that tomato 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 doesn't look like that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, and uh, like Tegan and Sarah, who, who I may have actually heard, Ponteeks. Like, these are not, these don't sound like Arlo Guthrie to me. Um, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you guys have a rather broad definition of what counts as folk music. Like, what definition are you using when you're picking your acts? Yeah, we get this a lot. Um, so the way our artistic director defines folk music is music of the people. So it's really just anything any of us are listening to. Mm-hmm. So traditional folk can kind of, we try to represent that as well, but it can be a little tricky in the sense of people hear folk festival, but we're really presenting just the music people are listening to right now or have listened to before. Yeah. Do you get a, you, you meant you sort of suggested that you get some pushback <laughs> on that? Like, do you get like grumpy old crusty hippies who are like, <laughs> I want to hear some more twangy banjo? I'd like to call them hippies who just know what they like. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but we do get a little bit, but you can't please everyone with an artistic lineup. Um, we like to think that there is at least one act for everyone, but yeah, yeah you're not going to please that. everyone. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, just I mentioned Tegan and Sarah a second ago. I have a vague memory of there. This isn't the first time that fifty percent of Tegan and Sarah <laughs> have played the folk festival. Am I right about that? Yeah, That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, we had Tegan. Um, Are you sure back. it was Tegan? Because they look a lot alike. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to tell, but um, we're told it was Tegan, and yeah. then we had a. Sarah uh, stand-in, which was a cardboard cutout of Sarah that was there um, on stage with her, keeping her company during her show. What happened to Sarah? (laughs) She was in, I think it was Montreal. Like, they were in different cities when they had to get to the festival, and there was a storm or something happened in one city where they just couldn't get on the plane. And so we just ended up having half of Tegan and Sarah. So we've never had Tegan and Sarah completely, yeah. And you're not, but you're you're still not, like, this would be the year where you'd confirm that they're actually two people and not just, like, CGI, (laughs) the second person. Like, Sarah's just, like, CGI Tegan. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a hologram. I know. I was just going to say, I don't know if we have the hologram technology, (laughs) so I think it is going to be two people. Okay. But that's a pretty big act, right? Tegan and Sarah. I'd say so. Yeah. Mm. But I think maybe just because I listened to them in high school, so they're big to me. Yeah. Was it, is it difficult to get people to come to, like, to the Queen City for the folk festival? Hmm. Um, that's hard because I don't know really how to answer that. Because we do get people from all over the world, even as volunteers. 
But I would say, yeah, as much as anyone else struggles to get people to Regina, that's probably exactly the same position we're in. I think, like, the main way that we get artists is... They've, like the folk fest has built quite a reputation for having really good um like we take really good care of our artists and so we make sure that we're paying them really well and really fairly we make sure that we're providing really great hospitality backstage and just kind of the general atmosphere is what tends to draw people because the word gets out and yeah people talk and know that we're uh we care and so people just want to be involved in it artists want to be involved in it it sounds like so yeah it's yeah. pretty cool yeah, and I, like, do the artists like travel kind of on a circuit in the summertime? Because I know that a lot of people who play here will have played Edmonton beforehand, or Edmonton afterwards, or maybe Winnipeg. I don't know. Yeah, um, usually artists uh, their fees become cheaper if they're actually on a tour. So most most artists right. tour in the summer because good weather, especially if you're a band that has to drive and things like that. It's it's your time to tour. Um, but there is some working relationship between the folk festivals as well. There is communication between artistic directors. Edmonton Folk Festival is a really good example because we are always the same weekend. So uh, Sandra, the artistic director for the Folk Festival here in Regina, works really well with the Edmonton Folk Festival as well just to kind and kind of get some good artists some big names yeah wow yeah. pretty cool stuff no it's, it sounds really interesting um so another question i have is how is the canadian dollar affecting this yeah is it <laughs> killing you guys for getting american acts <laughs> um for, like i don't know too much about this year it's kind of the same as last year but last year we really felt it um in the sense of all of a sudden canadian artists were so much more um financially appealing to everyone else in the world as well <laughs> so we couldn't even stack up on like canadian content uh we were having to look at the states as well just because canadian acts were booking which was great for them um but yeah we felt it definitely just in the sense of sandra played some magic with her numbers and figured out a great lineup regardless of that but yeah we felt it <laughs> yeah do you guys um i guess that would also mean that you'd end up having to like go further afield and get like more i wouldn't i don't want to say obscure but um it might i don't know when you're under pressure frequently you end up rising to the occasion and coming up with like creative solutions and uh i don't know like do, do you see that you're getting like more interesting acts maybe because it's like harder to find people Oh, for sure. I think um, Sandra, the artistic director who does all of the RFF booking, she she's kind of the champion of figuring things out in a really crappy situation. Um, like when artists have canceled, like Sinead O'Connor, we ended up getting the Blind Boys of Alabama, who were this amazing act. Um, they were originally from like an orphanage for blind kids and they just kind of toured that way and it's just become a generational band and i've never seen an act get a standing ovation at the main stage for the folk festival and they got a standing ovation really? yeah wow. it was something to see it was cool yeah. um do you guys just fund yourself through the um through the ticket sales or do you guys have like other funding streams just out of curiosity we have other funding strings. Um, we have a lot of sponsors, lots of funders, lots of in-kind sponsors. Um, it's probably obvious as the volunteer person, like, we wouldn't operate without the hearts of the volunteers. Mm -hmm. We couldn't make this dream a reality, so big shout-out to them. Um, but, yeah, and we have community partners, like SAS Music, things like that, that all work together to help us out make awesome. this community. Awesome. Yeah. You were asking about the volunteers beforehand. Like, how many of them are there? 
Um, well, this year, because we have an additional Thursday night, which is free. You guys should check it out, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., <laughs> Thursday, August 10th. Um, we have over 750 volunteers this year. Wow. In a regular year, we have over 650. <laughs> nice. So you definitely surpassed that a bit, hey? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. What, what perks do you offer to volunteers to get them to come out in droves like that? <laughs> uh, they get a free weekend pass. Well, free in the sense of they really earned it. Uh, volunteer t-shirt, which is really sweet and stylish. Uh, we have some snacks and coffee. Free nice. coffee for volunteers. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and isn't there something about an after party? Yeah, there's an after party. So we have public after parties on the Friday and Saturday night at the exchange of each night. Um, but we do have a volunteer appreciation party. It's the Sunday night. We close it off to volunteers and we kind of just have the last event of the weekend is something we can do as a team and celebrate together. It's fun. And do all uh, 750 volunteers show up? <laughs> no, I wish. That would be a pretty big party. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the dream. It's usually those who like still have energy to make it and don't have to go to work on Monday. So, yeah, it's probably close to like 200 each year at the oh, party. Yeah. Still good size. <laughs> but what time does the Folk Fest wrap up on Sunday night? I mean, you may have just said it, but I totally forgot already. No, that's a good call. I know we end earlier on Sundays. Um, I believe- 11.30. There you go. Yeah, it's 11.30, and then we have, like, that's uh, Buffy St. Marie is going to end off um, our Sunday nice. night. Um, and then after her set, there is the finale, so it kind of gives um, volunteers, staff, and other artists that are still around a chance to join um, join together on stage and just kind of um, sing a finale song, sway along together, and just kind of, yeah, send off the folk festival with good wishes. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Do you guys have a... Like a finale ritual. I know I've been to the Edmonton Folk Festival, and they uh, they do four strong winds at the end of every folk fest. Do you guys have anything here? Not re- like, yeah, um, not super traditional in the sense of like one main song. We usually pick a song based on who's in the lineup this year, um, and what kind of iconic song can we all sing along to? It's mostly like the tradition is a sing along, but it changes year to year what it is. I know. Calgary Folk Festival also has like a lantern parade with their finale, oh, which nice. is really cool. They yeah. make them in the kids' area. It's really cute. Yeah. Nice. Right. Well, you know, Sean and I, if you want to start a tradition, I'm sure that we could come up with one. I'm thinking I have a lot of paperwork and we could like do a group, get Paul's paperwork done at the end of the Folk Fest and then Monday morning I could come in and look competent for a change. I think this is a great idea. That would be a, a, a perfect tradition for you, Paul. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, oh, I should mention that we are on a 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, and this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. I'm Paul DeShane. I'm here with guest host Shauna Uchu and with our uh, guests, Hannah Hudson-Plant and Mel Metcalf from the uh, uh, Regina Folk Festival. Thanks for coming again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay, we've talked a lot about the music and the crusty hippies. <laughs> what a, like... What other Folk Fest stuff is there worth checking out over the, I guess it's Thursday to Sunday now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we have, um, alongside our uh, musical uh, programming, we also have um, an arts market as well as uh, food vendors. So we get a lot of food trucks and different um I guess also like some restaurants and stuff will come and set up a table or booth. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of uh, arts vendors from around the city and um some come from out of town as well, and so they come and sell, yeah, different uh, crafts and handmade items. 
Um, so that's really great. Uh, we also have the city of Regina bringing in a teepee and setting that up. And then we're going to have the, what's uh, the Buffalo? Buffalo People Arts Institute. So they're going to come yeah. and uh, hide tan. And then they also just, um, I unfortunately couldn't see it, but they were in the Queen City X Parade, I believe, as mm-hmm. the largest buffalo stampede. Yes. And I yeah. think they'll be showing up on Sunday with some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're going to join in on one of our, we have a couple of kids parades each day at 4 p- uh, They gather at 4 p.m. and then they're at 410, kind of between the between sets so it's like a little mini parade that all the kids join in and usually an artist so uh dirty catfish brass band is going to be on the saturday and then on the sunday uh, al simmons is going to be leading it and so i think they're going to yeah be joining in with al hopefully and kind of bulk that parade up is going to be cool oh sweet that sounds exciting too (laughs) um i'm sorry i have to ask about this did you say buffalo hide tanning yes it's not very (laughs) musical no. I don't think it's actually, they're actually going to tan a buffalo hide. Yeah, so yeah. he, um, I think Lauren is the fellow's name, and he's going to come on site at 8 a.m., but we don't really open till 11 a.m., but he has some prep work to do on site, and then by 11, it's going to be like a live demonstration. Um, we're not going to let people necessarily help with the hide tanning just because there's a lot of tools, insurance, fun stuff like that um but yeah he's gonna be talking people through what he's doing and yeah i've never seen it before i'm really excited <laughs> yeah no i've seen it before and it's super cool so yeah mm-hmm. every time yeah every time i get a chance to go out and, and, and check it out i do so yeah no it's can i ask cool. you why it's cool um i think what it is is because you know like it's just you know past the, the the history and the culture and 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 the, the 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 traditional teachings around it right so that's really what's what's interesting about it um everybody any age you know when they're involved in something like that you're 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 learning so i think that's what makes it really unique so i've i've seen it a few times and I, every time i get a chance to i go so yeah wow yeah huh you learn something new every time. So. Okay, well, I will try and check it out. Because I've got to say, Paul. I really try hard to stay away from animals and their hides. Because <laughs> they're kind of stinky. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on your toes on a question. Uh, I want to ask about patients catering. Like, you've got the food trucks and stuff. Patients catering is not going to be there this year. Why do we bother eating <laughs> at the Folk Fest? It's true. It's kind of Heartbreak City without them there. The I forget the fellow's name, but the one with the paper plate all the time saying, yeah. follow your nose. Yeah, that's going to be missed for sure. But we have some really cool new vendors as well who are coming up. I can't say yeah. the name of the one I'm thinking of, but you uh, can. Yeah, Malinche. So she's this really great... Um, she make they have tacos um, and sometimes like torta and um, tr- like different types of ice cream they make as well. They have an ice cream maker and so yeah, their tacos are amazing. They're usually set up outside a multinational, so we're super excited to have them oh, come over yeah. and set up on the plaza. Um, we have yeah, lots of others like Bond Burger, um, Below Zero, the ice cream yeah. place is coming. Um, Thirty three and a third uh, coffee shop is going to be there. Yeah. Okay, so the food will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The food will be okay. It won't be yeah. won't be quite as good as Patience, but yeah. Patience, Patience was an was an African place that sold roadies and it was crazy good. Yeah. Um, well it sounds like it's gonna be missed anyways. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Come back, Patience. Um, so I have a question. Um so uh you, your craziest behind the scenes folk fest story. 
Hmm. What is it? You don't have to say an artist's name or anything like that, mm -hmm. but it's I, interesting. Or a coworker, you can yeah. leave names out. <laughs> well, I think uh, a couple of years ago, we had um, the main headliners, they get riders. So they get a batch of things that um, they'd like to see in their green rooms and that they think would make them comfortable or they would like. So a lot of them will ask for things like drinks and snacks and things. So one asked for some pretty particular stuff. They wanted a ton of wheatgrass and a juicer, and they also wanted a, a cubed, seedless, organic watermelon. And so those cubed? are... Cubed? Yeah, cubed. cubed. It had to be cube-shaped. Cube so um, mm. our wonderful hospitality volunteer... Did you just volunteer. cut it like that? Did you just like... <laughs> Cut it like that. There you go. You got your seedless watermelon. They know That's watermelons it. don't grow that shape, right? Most yeah. Plants don't. No, yeah. Kathleen might as well have cut it into just some squares because she took months. She ended up special ordering this cubed organic seedless watermelon, getting it. She was so proud um, wow. because it was such a struggle to find. And then they didn't touch it. They didn't eat any of it. Um, they didn't even cut it open. So she served it to the staff the next morning for breakfast and... She's like, it you tasted, guys better enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. Tasted just like a regular watermelon yeah. for the record. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would have done? Just as, you know, an F you to this person, I would have got the cubed watermelon, but it wouldn't have been organic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happens if it rains? Not that that's much of a worry, right? <laughs> it seems. No. We have a uh, different levels of um steps we follow if it rains like um there was one year uh where we did have to shut down it wasn't an emergency evacuation because we caught it in time but it was still an evacuation um and it was the year sam roberts didn't play uh, he played last year so he made a comeback um but yeah if it rains we go on rain or shine if it becomes um what am I trying to think of? A safety issue? We will shut down. There's different levels. Like maybe we just temporarily shut down. We have um, muster stations that are safe for people to go to. Well-trained volunteers who can organize those people. Um, and then sometimes, yeah, we have to just completely call it a night and shut down. But that's only happened that one night with Sam Roberts, I think, where we actually had to just shut down for the evening um most of the time we're able to reopen which is really nice but yeah rain or shine if yeah. it's raining just a little bit we are still operating cut yeah nice cool um okay well what about next year like you guys have you've expanded into thursday night now you've you're starting to take over the week <laughs> do you do you have plans to carry on into wednesday tuesday like what what is what are your future goals for the folk fest yeah, so uh, the Thursday night is actually just for this year and this year only. Um, I think that's our boss promise just to make sure we stay sane through this. Maybe she'll toss it on our plates next year and make it a regular thing. Uh, but we'll go back to the three days next year. But we do plan on keeping our, like, um, we're calling it Thank Folk. It's Friday, so that's the daytime free stage Friday afternoon. That's usually just a nooner show, but we're going until 5. Um, but otherwise, we're just looking at bringing more people in. Mm -hmm. Come hang out. Nice. We need everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So um, let's just see here. What? So what do you see your role in the community being? I mean, like beyond just being a music yeah. provider, you know, like because you guys are 
they're like downtown <laughs> and in the heart of the city for like three days and you're also like you've got concerts all year long too yeah we we see ourselves as members of the community first um and then we're here really just to serve it and be an excuse for all of us to come together mm-hmm. um and we're really open yeah for people to join us, whether it's volunteering or filling out a survey and telling us how we did or telling us what acts you want to see. If you want to tell us what acts to see, fill out an RFF survey. It's going to be online this year because that does make it to the boss lady's ears. Um, but I really think we're just here to keep the community strong and keep us together as much as we can. Well, you guys are doing a great job at it. So, yeah. 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 Well, thanks a lot for coming in. Um, yeah, we're running out of time here. But and normally when we have like new guests come in, as, as Shauna knows, um, if if it turns out that you actually are improving the Queen City, we declare you an improvement vector, and there are certificates. But it seems the person who um, makes those certificates is not here. Thank so I'm you. sorry, you don't you. I think we I think we could safely say that they are improvement vectors. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. we yeah, we're going to have to get you your certificates if he ever returns. <laughs> and we will send them to you at the office. But um yeah, thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Oh, also, uh where can people find out information about the show? Yeah, and stuff. You can find out um you can get tickets and find out anything you need to know on our website www.reginafolkfestival.com or give the office a call 306-757-0308 we're also old fashioned and love phone calls too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's programs and stuff lying around? Yeah, the Prairie Dog actually just released our official program guide this today, so grab a Prairie Dog and you'll see all of the goodies that we have planned for the weekend next weekend. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great work, ladies. <laughs> thanks. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, uh, next up on the agenda, we have innovative revenue tools. And as you know, Shauna, that is the time in the meeting where we talk about ways that the city can improve its bottom line by innovating tools mm-hmm. that will generate revenue. Well, it's going to be interesting. Yes, it will be. Mm-hmm. I guarantee. Because <laughs> I have one. Okay, um, we mentioned at the outset uh, that we do actually have a time machine down here in the sub-basement with us. It's all thrown together. I don't know where it came from. It just was there one day. Oh. Which is handy that mm-hmm. we have a time machine because this means that what we, what I propose we can do with the time machine, apart from just going back in time and messing with the timeline, is that we can provide a post hoc proactive planning service to government agencies within Saskatchewan. So, how that would work <laughs> is you'd be able to go to our time machine and you'd be able to send a memo by post hoc proactive email into the past to send yourself stuff that you need to know that you couldn't have known in the past until the present. Oh. So, for instance, let's say you're building an overpass mm-hmm. uh, as part of a bypass around the city and let's say you don't know exactly how wide you're going to make it and then it turns out that you've made it too narrow for you know the farm equipment that's going to go over they're going to they're going to you'll be able to like send yourself an email after that happens and say oh hey you should probably make that overpass wider yeah and then you'll make the overpass wider and then it won't have been too narrow yeah yeah. Exactly. Or let's say you go to a football <laughs> game and you hear a lot of complaints about how, oh, my God, there was not enough water for people at the football game. You can send yourself an email in the past that says you should probably put some water filling stations or some more water fountains in the stadium. And then you'll do that. 
and then you there will have been enough water fountains for everybody on a really hot day at the stadium. <laughs> or perhaps you could send yourself a message like, do not hire or do not put anybody in charge of infrastructure whose name rhymes with Shrill Floyd. <laughs> So many problems would be solved. Lots of great ideas. If you could send emails backward in time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tons. <laughs> and then they can pay us for this, and that will be revenue for the city and for the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, that is, that's the uh, innovative revenue tool for this week. If that innovative revenue tool doesn't catch on because it's, you know, against the laws of physics, we have a few more. Hi. I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know... Regina was struck hard by the Great Depression, and many people lost their jobs. In an effort to employ more people, Wascana Lake was dammed, widened, and deepened all by hand, so it would take as long as possible to employ the largest number of people. It's a Regina fact. You'll find more Regina facts on my blog, KentonDeYoung.com, and every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Yes, we are. Yeah. And uh, a Kenton DeYoung uh, Queen City fact. Toyed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. I'm here with Sean Uchu. Thanks, thanks for um, helping with this meeting because these meetings get really boring if it's just me. Well, you know, when you send me the message that somebody, you know, erased themselves into in existence, so yeah. it's kind of pretty important that you have somebody here. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. No Thanks kidding. for inviting me. Oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, the next item on the agenda is a council update. Okay. Because on Monday, there was a city council meeting. Mm. And many things happened at this city council meeting. This was another city council meeting. I don't know what it is with this council, but they really like to run their meetings really late into the evening. Like uh, this meeting ended at a, after 11 o'clock oh, at night. Wow. It started at 5.30, ended after 11. Wow. There were a ton of people who came out to talk. There was some big stuff that they covered. Um, I thought we could talk about a couple of the things that were like the two really big, big, big items that were on the agenda that night. Um, the first one is the taxi bylaw. Uh, we've been talking about this uh, in our past meetings, uh, me and that other guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, about the taxi bylaw. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we actually had uh, a couple taxi cab drivers come in and uh, talk to us about what the issues are with the taxi bylaw licenses. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you want to like get caught up, you can go back and listen to our July 20th, uh, 2017 meeting. The recording is titled, Why Brad Wall Looks Like Scrooge McDuck, and it's in the Queen City Improvement Bureau, Bureau archives on our website, uh, queencityib.com, in uh, the podcast folder. Okay. So well. you can go there and you can listen to it. That'll catch you up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the too long, didn't read, the TLDR version of what, what's been going on. Sounds good. Uh, the taxi bylaw has been up for review. One of the recommendations is to uh, change the way that seasonal licenses, so licenses that the city gives out in the winter, change the bylaw so that those winter licenses aren't given directly to the taxi companies, mm -hmm. but they're put into a lottery and distributed by lot to anybody who enters the lottery. So it could be a cab driver. It could be somebody who wants to start their own cab yeah. Thing, or it could end up being like a cab company. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is something that the cab drivers themselves have been pushing for for a long time. They, um, 
they argue that uh, they've been paying like exorbitant lease prices yeah. to drive cabs in the city during the winter, and uh, they would like to like to have an opportunity to get those licenses themselves, so that they can actually own their own cab, own their own, and th- the income from driving the cabs would come to them. Mm-hmm. Last month in July, the executive committee recommended that what they should do is distribute 40% of those seasonal winter licenses to the cab drivers through a lottery Mm -hmm. or whoever through the lottery and the other 60% would go as it normally does to the brokers and cab companies. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that recommendation was the thing that was being debated. That was the big debate during Monday's council meeting. Uh, in the past, a lot of cab drivers have come out and have said, you know, give us the lottery. This makes the whole thing more fair. Mm-hmm. And the cab companies have come out and said, no, no, no. Um, it makes it harder for us to plan our business if we don't know how many licenses we'll have over the winter. Yeah. And it means that you could get, like, anybody who enters the lottery. So, like, some 18-year-old who doesn't know how to drive a car could win a license, and then what do we do? Yeah, for sure. We have, we have inexperienced drivers. Um over the course of the debate, Councillor Hawkins came out with a motion to reverse the 60-40 split. So 60-40 for, 60 for the brokers, 40% for the drivers. Hawkins came in and said, no, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Councillor Hawkins decided we're going to flip it. We're going to say 60% to the drivers, yeah. 40% to the, um, to the cab companies. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was, I know this sounds really dull, but this was an incredibly exciting moment. Yeah. So exciting that I had to take the debate over Councillor Hawkins' motion and set it to square dance music. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, we're, what I'm going to play now is the Hawkins, Flagle, Stevens, Bresciani square dance. All right. Let's, let's... That will summarize the debate about Hawkins' motion. All right. Yeah, let's see if I can get that going here. Well, this has been a long debate, uh, sometimes difficult debate. Uh, I'd like to move an amendment. It's a simple amendment. 1A, Roman 1 of the recommendation of the Executive Committee currently states that seasonal licenses be issued with 60% being allocated directly to brokers and 40% issued through an open lottery with the lottery licenses issued renewable up to three seasons. And the amendment is simply that we reverse those numbers 40% 40% being allocated directly to brokers and 60% through an open lottery. Councilor Flagle. Thanks. Um, yes, on the amendment, uh, I, yeah, no, I totally disagree with this amendment. Simple fact is, if this is an experiment, then my experiment would also be that I want to raise Councilor Hawkins's taxes by 30% and reduce Councilor Fendura's taxes by 40%. We'll try it for three years. See how that works. I'm sure that would not go over well with Councillor Hawkins. Councillor Fendura might be happy, but we have three viable brokerages in business today that have been in business for years. They've obviously done things right. Councillor Stevens, you've got to look at this first. Councillor Stevens, you've got to this right. Speaking in favor of the amendment for a couple of reasons. First off, I think this more closely aligns with what administration had been tasked to bring before us. And again, we're kind of going, I think this is what, like, Hour 13 of this conversation, if we include the, the committees. Councilor Bresciani. I could not support this just because of the fact that uh, I have met and many of us councillors have met with um, uh, many of the uh, 
non-union union brokers, drivers. And I think the one thing that was consistent when I met with the brokers, it was evident that there is a customer service that we need to provide to the end users. And that's, we've talked about the drivers and the whole industry, but we haven't talked a lot about the passengers tonight. And that is who it is about. That's, we are here to regulate to ensure that we've got our passengers here that are going to get good service and it's going to be safe. What was actually found in that research is that none of the catastrophes that we've been presented with today actually unfolded in these lottery systems. There are different lottery systems for sure, but we asked repeatedly, what are the consequences? In fact, at many of the meetings, we had pressed the brokers and others, what, are, what evidence do you have that this is going to result in financial catastrophe? No evidence was summoned. We're affecting jobs, we're affecting lives. We sat here and we talked and we listened to the delegates talk about um, how they're making less than minimum wage. This isn't going to solve it because now they have to come up with a car. They have to come up with $2,000 to $3,000 to equip that car. Like I said when I first got up here, I, I don't agree with this at all. I actually didn't agree with the 6040. Um, as I referred back in at executive, the brokers are buying the barbecue and now the drivers want to come and barbecue their hot dogs in there for nothing. And nobody, they don't have any skin in the game and the brokerages are putting all the money up front. And I just want to say this about fairness. The whole direction that we've heard about is in favor of a lottery system. New licenses are listed in, are given under lottery system. Saskatoon, they use a lottery system. Um, uh, and there's just something fundamentally fair about a city that's giving a privilege to run a business to make that business open to everybody who's qualified to carry that business out. But I think the main thing here is we have to keep the resident here in the forefront and understand that they have a business to run and to ensure that they can run that business, they need to have staff to do it. I think it's important to be fair here to the drivers, these are the bottom rung in terms of the, the taxi industry, the people that are working the hardest have the least. In terms of fairness to them and in terms of having a, a good experiment that we'll get a fair and complete read from, I think that the numbers should be reversed. So I'm proposing by way of amendment that uh, it's 40% uh, to the broker, 60% to the drivers. Thank yep. you, Your Thank you. I have a second for that amendment. All right, there we go. That was the Hawkins, Flagle, Stevens, Bresciani, Square Dance. Yeah, wow. And yeah, that was I the, was really into that. So. That was some clips from the debate about Hawkins' motion to change how the taxi licenses are distributed. That motion was, um, well, that amendment was voted on, and it just passed by the skin of its teeth. And so going forward, licenses will, for the seasonal winter licenses will be distributed 60% by lottery and 40% to the brokerages. Oh, wow. So how is this going to affect drivers um, for, you know, those, the, those who um, are, are cab drivers and stuff like that? Like, how are they going to benefit from this? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, one of the things that the drivers have argued, one is that... Uh, some of them, not all of them, like not all of the cab companies do this, but some of the people who own these um, seasonal licenses will charge a driver. We've heard from drivers they have been charged upwards of $2,000 a month wow. for a seasonal license. Um, this, this isn't across the board in the industry, and that's part of the problem, that how these 
licenses get distributed. It's an agreement between the person who has the license and the driver who is actually going to be doing the driving on that license. Mm -hmm. um, so there's very there's a lot of inconsistency. The brokerages that get these licenses, they pay like a service charge. They pay a nominal fee to the city, yeah. um, and yet they're able to turn around and then lease these licenses out, oh, basically whatever charge they want. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that the drivers also, on top of those lease fees, they also pay, as they've told us, they pay charges to the um, the the cab companies for dispatching. So the the cab companies handle all of the, like the phone calls coming in and where you're supposed to take your taxi to. Um, so you know, fair enough, they have to pay to pay for that service. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what a lot of the cab drivers are saying is that if we actually have some of these licenses then we can take those licenses and pick which of the cab companies in the city we take those licenses to. Yeah, for sure. And that creates competition, and that means that the cab companies will then have to compete for the employees that they need in a way that they haven't in the past. Yeah. And the hope is is that the drivers then will see better working conditions, um, that basically that their work will be valued more than it perhaps is now. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that's... Councillor Flagel said in that uh, square dance that mm -hmm. we just played was that um, the cab companies have, you know, they've, they've invested all this money in this infrastructure, like, the, you know, the, the dispatch systems, the radios, all of that sort of stuff. And that's true. There's like tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that go into that. Yeah. Um, but Flagel then said, you know, well, the cab drivers aren't putting anything into this. And it's like, dude, they put their time in. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, they're yeah. employees. They work really hard. They devote themselves to this job. The cab drivers that we have in here, mm -hmm. they talk about how much they love their job, how much, well, I mean, apart from the fact that they can't make a living, mm -hmm. but how much they enjoy meeting the people of the city, how much they like serving the people of the city. Absolutely. And so they, um, that's what they bring to the table. That's what they contribute is their time, their energy, their passion for the job. Exactly. And if they're not getting... If they're just being treated like meat at a barbecue, how much are you going to want to do that job? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And how much, how good of a cab driver are you going to be? You're just not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I can definitely see the benefit in that. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I heard on, over, over the, 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 the fiddle dance music there yeah, yeah, yeah. was the fact that how much, you know, um, these cab drivers are actually putting in like they're purchasing their own vehicles you know then they have to pay yeah. their own insurance over it so there's a yeah. lot of cost that is involved in, in all of that so yeah yeah no it sounds like a really good deal for them so, and yeah. a lot of danger that's the other thing that i mean there was the, a cab driver last year who was stabbed he'd only been in the city for uh, like a couple of months i think it was mm -hmm. and he was stabbed and he's been left paralyzed and that's one of the things that mm -hmm. you know can't be forgotten is that these frontline drivers a lot of the time, like some of the times they're putting their lives at risk yeah, by doing sure. this job. And so they just want to have more freedom. I spoke with some of the cab drivers afterwards. They were very happy about this. I'm sure the brokerages are less happy, but it's not like all of the seasonal licenses are just going to be given out by lottery. There are going to be a portion that will be going to the brokerages as before. Yeah, for sure. Just to kind of keep it fair, I assume that's how they, you know, it's yep. a good way to do it um but it's good to hear that you know they're going to get a little bit more fairness out of the deal that mm -hmm. you know um yeah they they feel like you know they 
they'll do yeah. their jobs, you know, maybe a little bit better and feel good about it yeah. as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And the one thing about this taxi bylaw change that wasn't controversial yeah. uh, among any of the councillors, and this passed um, unanimously as far as I can remember, is uh, there were other parts to the bylaw change. So the lottery was the big controversy that we've talked about. Yeah. But um, there were also some safety measures that have been instituted. So among them, if a driver wants, they can now put a safety screen in their cab oh, if they're I worried see. about getting stabbed. Yeah. Um, also, the cameras that are in the cabs currently, mm -hmm. they're going to be audio enabled from now on so that... Oh. You know, they'll be able to, like, record the conversations. If there's crime happening or a driver's in peril, there will be better evidence. Um, well, I suppose after the fact, there will also mm -hmm. be um, an emergency button that cab drivers will have access to yeah, uh, sure. to install. And I think the big thing <laughs> for me, because I get weirded out by this stuff, uh, if anybody leaves bodily fluids in a taxi cab, the mm -hmm. cab driver can now charge them to clean it up. In the oh, past... Wow. If uh, drunken passengers have barfed yeah. in a cab, it's been on the driver. Yeah, for sure. To clean it up, and their cab will be out of business for you know however long, yeah, an hour, however long or the it whole takes night. To clean yeah. Up. yeah, yeah, and then they and have New to pay Year's to clean it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that could be a big chunk of a night. It, it like that could be a big chunk of their New Year's Eve uh, yeah. income. Yeah, for sure. So now they're going to be able to pay. I don't know what the fine limits are on this. I can't remember, but they'll be able to charge the passenger who leaves their fluids in the car. Oh, and I think that's great. I want like fluid-free taxis. Per, 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 you know. Ounce? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. I think that was pretty good news. There was more on the agenda that was less good news. And I should mention where the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. I'm Paul Deshane. I'm here with guest host Shauna Uchu. Um, the other thing that happened was the access without fear motion. Uh, Councillor Stevens brought forward a motion at this meeting uh, that would um it's roughly equivalent to you've heard this in the states the sanctuary city and it's just a declaration that immigrants refugees and newcomers who have precarious immigration status will know that they can access municipal services without fear of having their immigration status checked or um having their uh you know getting turned into immigration uh, oh, Canada wow. okay. and kicked out of the country. Uh, and it doesn't just, it isn't just applying to illegals. There are people who come here who are on temporary foreign workers. Um, and there are people on visas who are waiting um, for long term residency who don't feel like they can, you know, use rec facilities or call the police mm -hmm. for fear that, you know, this will put their, if they're, if they're a squeaky wheel, their immigration process could be uh, impeded because of it. Um, Stephen said that he was inspired by residents he spoke to during the election who were afraid to put up lawn signs during the election because they were worried that if they seemed partisan, that might imperil their immigration status, wow. you know? Yeah. Um, there were a lot of really powerful speakers, people who've gone through the whole immigration process here and um, talking about how many people in the immigrant community, uh, they face widespread misunderstanding about what they can access and can't. And there's people who come from countries where the police and your municipal governments aren't benevolent forces, and so they don't really trust them. Mm -hmm. uh, the non-Stevens counselors, so everybody except Councillor Stevens, argued that the city is already informally doing this, yeah. that we don't ask people's immigration status. The police have it as a rule that if they're going door-to-door -door asking people for, you know, about a crime, um, or if they're doing street checks or whatever, they don't ask about immigration status. Yeah. So all of that is already being done. So they were like, why do we need to do this? Mm -hmm. Why do we have to pass a motion if... Um, 
if uh, we're already doing it. Uh, Stevens's motion also included things like uh, public consultation, and uh, that was going to cost some money. There was also an idea to have like a liaison from the city who would be able to like communicate to people in the immigrant community yeah. about these rules. Um, and so the minute city administration was asked, well, how much do you think this motion is going to cost? And they put a price tag of 150000 to $200,000. I was pretty sure it was dead in the water. Uh, so what happened was Councillor Bryce drafted a referral motion that would send Stevens's motion and the transcripts of all these powerful speeches that people had given to another level of government, so to the provincial government and the federal government and those agencies that deal with immigration, mm. and say, this is what we're hearing, yeah. and uh, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and when that referral motion passed, everybody except Stephen, uh, Councillor Stevens voted for it, in favor of it. Uh, Stevens' motion died at that moment. It's oh. been shuffled off into oblivion. Oh. Um, there are portions of Councillor Stevens' motions that have been turned into an undertaking. That's really complicated, and we should have, devote a half hour to explaining the difference between motions and undertakings. City staff have said, look, we get it. We understand that people don't understand. We will try harder, gosh darn it, to make people know that they have nothing to fear. Mm. Um, I had a bunch of recordings uh, to play, uh, interviews from after the event. I will put those on our website. We're running out of time here. But there is one that I wanted to play. This is from um, Mirtha Rivera, and this is her response to council's decision to pass on this motion. Um, her presentation to council was probably the one that had people the most awestruck. Uh, she told council about her experiences of being a political prisoner in Chile, of being tortured and raped, and how people like her who've escaped this and come to Canada mm -hmm. don't understand that councils can be good things and police can be good things. And this was her response to the, um, the news that the, uh, the motion didn't pass. Really frustrated and disappointed that they make it look like it was all a matter of see how much money we have and no we're not responsible for this I don't know what's the fear that they have but yes the city is friendly like I said in my presentation but it is places that they're not that friendly that our city needs to look at it and I don't feel safe the way that things went right now. Like, it was a referral to send our stories. I know this is public access of what we said, and it was recorded, but I'm not okay with them sending my story that they're going to send it to the federal government. This is a violation of my rights as a person. They need to ask me my consent to send it. Don't use it for their own purpose. I can use it because I'm the author of this, but they turn everything around saying we don't have the money, we don't have the means, this is not our jurisdiction. Yes, it is. It, it, was, it was a great opportunity to say at the first step to let the world know out there that Regina is a city that it will be welcoming and respecting individuals. Well, this is total disrespect to me, what they've done. So I'm really... I'm to the point of being really outraged. What now? What do you do in the wake of this? Well, I'm never going to shut up. 
I want to continue doing this, and if I have to come back here, I will. And if I have to lobby each one and one, every one and each one of them, I will do it. Thank you very much. All right, that was um, Marta Rivera, and uh, she was like a citizen who came to talk about her experiences and how um, the motion, uh, Stevens's motion to declare this basically a sanctuary city mm -hmm. would have helped her out. Um, I think in the end, the, the takeaway from this is that council's response was, you know, we're kind of informally already doing this, making the city safe, but we're not going to put that in writing for you. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So that's the end. And that's the end of it. Um, something may come back later, but we'll yeah. see. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got for council update. Mm. Shauna, yeah. how's White Pony Lodge going? Oh, White Pony Lodge. Well, you know, it's been quite the journey over the past year, that's for sure, Paul. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but, you know, we're still out there going at it, and we're having a lot of fun as much as possible. Um, you know, we're still focused on building community and creating a more safer, you know, and connected community. So things have been really, you know, going they, they've been going well but we've been having a lot of highs in those so right yeah. and mm -hmm. I, I guess i should mention people might not know this but white pony lodge you guys go out on patrol in the evenings on fridays and saturday nights in yeah. north central yeah we go out every friday saturday from 6 to 9 p.m yeah. um we're out there you know um identifying you know abandoned properties um unmaintained lots um you know just connecting with our fellow community members um and just being a good positive you know support out there so it's been going fairly well yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. great um, I hear you guys are looking for a new place to stay. We are. And you lost you know, <laughs> your headquarters. <laughs> we've we've been through a few changes with headquarters over yeah. the past little while. Um, so right now we actually have Authentic Real Realty, uh, Mar Marielle Harvey from Authentic Realty helping us out a little oh, bit nice. with that. So yeah, because. Yeah. White Pony's White Pony Lodge needs a lodge. We do. We need yeah. a headquarters. We need a uh, we need a home. We need a stable. Yeah. That's yeah. what we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you were also mentioning earlier that um, you guys have inspired other people, and there's going to be a patrol in Al Ritchie neighborhood too. Yeah, super exciting. So Al Ritchie's, um, you know has got together some community members who want to do a patrol and um, they've asked us to kind of help out with their training and help help train their volunteers and stuff like that so we're looking you know forward to that in the future probably a little bit later on this month so yeah no it's been super awesome all right mm -hmm. and so if, if people want to show up on friday or saturday this week for mm -hmm. instance where do they go and how do they find more information about you guys? Okay, so you, they can always access information on our Facebook page, or they can email us at whiteponylodge at gmail.com. And if they want to come out and participate on a patrol, again, it's every Friday, Saturday. Um, we're located on 1650 Angus Street um, from 6 to 9 p.m. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for, for helping out with the meeting. It's been a blast. So, yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even with you here, we still didn't have quorum, so technically nothing we've done is official. Oh, but gosh. at least it's done. At least it's done. Because we are out of time. The time locks are coming off the doors upstairs, so we'll be able to escape, or you will at least have still, still paperwork to do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we should have a motion to conclude this meeting. Do you want to make that motion? Um, so I move to um, end the meeting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Motion is carried. And you can read the outro. All right. 
So you've been listening to the weekly broadcast of the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Your hosts have been Shauna Uchu, myself, and Paul DeShane. Thanks to Hannah Hudson Plant from the Regina Folk Festival for talking with us this evening. You can find the Queen City Improvement Bureau on Twitter at Queen City IB or our website at queencityib.com. Catch up on our past meetings by listening to our podcast on cjtr.ca slash podcast or subscribe to Queen City Improvement Bureau on iTunes. Oh, I should also mention that our music, as always, is provided by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire, and you can find his music at guidewire.bandcamp.com. Sweet. So our meetings are also rebroadcast Monday mornings on CJTR at 9 a.m. Coming up next on CJTR's Thursday night action pack, the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the cockpit. Keep on improving Regina. Awesome. Thanks, Shona. You're welcome.